0: We're excited to be here with you today. Thanks so much if you're live streaming with us for tuning in with us today. Um, I just need to remind you, and I, it just seems like, you know, the, 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 the season we're in, that we're, we, we just need to remind people that what you and I are a part of, if you have Jesus in your life, you're part of the kingdom of God. And you are part of the greatest thing that this world has ever seen, any generation that's ever experienced the kingdom of God. What you and I are a part of is what the is what God is doing in the earth. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so you and I, part of being part of the kingdom of God, it's the greatest thing going, friends. You know, it's just the greatest thing going. And we need to remember that. And no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult the things that we might have to face, you know, no matter how many uh, commercials there are about politics, can I just tell you, it will end. Amen. Amen. And the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever Amen. and ever and ever that's what we focus on. That's what we fix our eyes on. And that is our hope in, in uh, uncertain times, right? That is our hope in challenging times. That is our hope in the midst of everything that we have to face, that our God is in control, our God is in charge, and we continue to grow in our understanding and our knowledge and in our faith in the living God. And so that's what I'm here to encourage you about today because we are living in puzzling times. That's why this sermon series is called Puzzled, because we are living in puzzling times when we look and we say, wait a minute, I see it in the Bible and it's supposed to be this way, but when I live in, a, in this world and it looks like it's going a completely different direction, and I thought that it was going to be this way, but it's not this way, it's that way, and so we're a bit puzzled, but we're not the only ones who have ever lived through puzzling circumstances. How many of you have the benefit of, uh, of people who've uh, sat down with you and talked to you? Maybe it was a father or a grandfather. Maybe some people you sat and you talked with them and they say, oh, yeah, I remember in my day. And then they begin to, you know, break it all down for you. How many of you learned this, uh, this little truth? I want to share it with you if you've never learned this. It's, it's helpful. Life is best lo- lived looking forward. But it's best understood looking back. How many of you need some understanding? I still need more understanding. But at 53, I have more understanding than I did when I was 14. I love the Mark Twain statement. He said, when I was 14, my dad was the most ignorant individual I had ever met. But when I was 21, I was amazed at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> so when you and I uh, have the benefit of years past so that we can reflect and say, "Ah." Oh, Oh, that's what that was about. Oh, and can I just tell you, even after you've gained some wisdom by looking back at something, maybe a circumstance happened in your life 15 years ago, um, you know what? It means something different 15 years ago, but 30 years goes by, and you're going to look back on that same circumstance, and you're going to learn something more. Like, don't put a period where God puts a comma, You're going to realize that God wasn't done teaching you from that circumstance 15 years ago, that there's more that you can learn from that same circumstance. Don't just think, well, I'm going to put that in my little little, uh, photo album and I'm going to put it up on the shelf. No, because that thing's still teaching you. God's not done just because you figured out what he was doing there because you really ain't figured it all out yet. You say, I wish you would just start preaching and get into the notes. (laughs) I already am, but you don't know it yet. There are two books in the Bible in particular uh, that are Israel's history. One is Ruth, one is... Esther, and they don't uh, they don't conspicuously call out God. They don't conspicuously point out the activity of God, but it's underneath there. And because it's part of their history, uh, in other words, if Ruth hadn't happened, then you don't have David. If you don't have David, then you don't have the line of David. If you don't have the line of David, you don't have Jesus. So they include Ruth in there uh, so that we can have the genealogical part in in the book of Esther. The entire the entire people group of Israel would have been wiped out. It was kind of this crux, this moment in time where if God had not come through, then Israel would not have survived. If Israel had not survived, then we wouldn't have Jesus. If we didn't have Jesus, then you get the picture. So, uh, so even though, uh, you know, there's not a teaching about God, there's a teaching about God. And there's a teaching about how God can work in the mix, in the midst of evil governments, evil plans, uh, circumstances that were, suppo- that were designed to annihilate an entire people group, and yet God was working all along, even though God doesn't just get up there and sign his name. Here I am. I'm at work. And that's good for you and I, because sometimes we don't see God all together working on our behalf, do we? We see situations that seem to be going opposite the direction that we feel like a promise of God or a plan of God ought to be going. So let's pick up the story as we're going to talk today about uh, preparation for intercession, preparation for intercession. Esther chapter 4. Then Esther summoned Hatak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend her and ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. At this moment in time, Mordecai and Esther can't have a a, a conversation because she is part of the king's harem. And so the king only lets certain people in. People could do him, uh, that, that could do him bad. He doesn't have anybody around. So he has everybody fully checked out. And so Esther has been checked out. Mordecai has not. And so as a result of that, in this situation, she has to send someone as a go-between. And so Hatak is the go-between. Go so Hatak goes out uh, to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai becomes aware of a, of a death threat against 15 million Jews. Uh, we're talking genocide that's going to place Mordecai finds out about it and he's troubled as he you know you and I would be and so uh, so what does he do he he sends this message on ahead to Esther you got to do something about this and so he, uh, he, uh, he also gave him a copy of the text of the edict of their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and explain it to her. And he told him to her to go into the king's presence, to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. Hatak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him, say to Mordecai, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that he be put to death. The only exception to this is for the king to extend the gold scepter to him and spare his life. But 30 days have passed since I was called to go to the king. So she was saying protocol dictates one thing, and it's too long. There's too much time that's gone by. And protocol says if I just walk in there and say what I want to say, I'm going to be put to death. She understands the laws of the court. She understands what's going on. not unlike Esther, stand between time and space, between a kingdom of God and a government. You and I have to understand the heart of God as it relates to the kingdom of God and how he functions in the earth. And we have to understand the government in which we, uh, we serve under and, and that we are interacting with. There's gonna be a tension there. There's gonna be stress. There's, there's gonna be an understanding that we need to have on both parts. We can't be all government. And we can't be all kingdom. We gotta be both. We have to stand in the time and space that God has put us in, and we have to intercede. We have to be aware of what it is that God is doing in the earth. We have to be aware that God is functioning a certain kind of way, just as he has always functioned. And we have to be aware that the government in which we live allows us to do certain things, and those things we ought to do. Friends, you need to vote. There weren't enough amens. Because if you have an amen, you also have a vote. And you need to use it. Amen? Amen. So we need to be people that function within the the structure that we have, but understand that God, he controls everything. He controls it all. He's involved in all of it. And so you and I need to play our part, but we need to recognize that God is at work playing his part all along. And so we've got to interact. This is the place that, that we have to be. And so uh, Esther understood uh, the times that she lived in. She understood what she was allowed to do, what she wasn't allowed to do. And uh, so she was working in the midst of it. Intercession means to intervene between two parties with a view to reconciling differences. You and I are standing in the gap in this age, in this generation. You say, I wish God would do something. He has. He put you right in the middle in between two parties so that you could intervene he puts you in a spot you say it's really dark around here that's right if you can't see the light it's because you are the light i wish god would send somebody he already has he puts you right where he wants you and so you and i need to intercede we need to stand here and intervene between these two parties right? So uh, in order to do that, we need to understand certain things. And this is what Mordecai was reminding Esther of. Here's three things. First of all, she's not safe. Even in the palace, if, if Haman's plan came to pass, there's a danger. There's a danger that's around your life and mine. There's a danger to every believer on the planet. There is a danger, you and I are not exempt from trouble. You th- if you thought that coming to Jesus would exempt you from the trouble of the world, then it's, you got some wrong teaching. you got some, you got some bad teaching in there, sister. It's not going to happen. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome. Right? We are connected to the overcomer. So we are overcomers, right? Um, secondly, God wouldn't deliver is uh, God would deliver Israel, but she would suffer loss. This is what Mordecai reminds Esther: God is a delivering God. You and I have been delivered from sin. You have I, You and I have been delivered from destruction. He will continue to deliver us. But what, what uh, Mordecai is saying to Esther is that, you know what, I'm confident in the promise of God that God is going to deliver Israel. But you need to realize, Esther, that you've got to act in the midst of your circumstance that you can't just be fatalistic and say, well, I'm just going to rest on the promise of God. I don't have to do anything. That you need to step up. You need to stand in in the gap you need to do your part in history for God to do the thing that he wants to do and you to receive the blessing that he wants to come into your life there is nothing greater than you participating with the plan of God and watching God do his work watching God do his, can I tell you, the moments in time where I had the, I was sharing, talking to a sister this morning. She was on Clyde 9. She's talking about she led somebody to Jesus yesterday. There's nothing greater than that. If you've never led somebody to Christ, you know what? You need to go on in a, a little evangelistic tour. You need to go teach in a kid's church. You need to get involved in, in a moment where you pray with somebody to receive Jesus and watch God work. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You will in that moment realize, hey, this is part of what I'm on the planet to do, Amen. to bear witness of his name. Amen? Amen. I'm here to do that. And, and thirdly here, this reminder, she was in the right place and the right time, at the right time by God's grace. Some of you feel like it's the wrong time. Can I tell you, you're, you're right exactly where God wants you to be. You're right exactly where God wants you to be. If you weren't, you would know it. There would be a constant unrest in your soul. I'm not in the right spot. It's not the right time. Can I tell you, God can use you right where you are. God can use, you said, well, I'm ahead of my time. Well, I don't know about that. Sometimes we do get ahead of God because we're impatient. We'll talk about God's patience here in a little bit. But you know what? Jesus, here's a beautiful picture. Jesus walked everywhere he went, and he was always on time. He never said, hurry up, guys. Hey, 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 hurry up, hurry up. Sometimes we, sometimes we can get ahead of the Lord in that way, right? Jesus walked everywhere he went, and he was always on time. In your notes, number one, God has purposes to accomplish in the earth, and he can influence any situation toward his ends. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, do you realize that the same stars that we look at are the same stars that Adam looked at? that Abraham looked at, that Moses looked at. That 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 Noah probably looked at when the clouds started clearing up and he could see up at those stars. Those same stars are the same stars that they looked at. You know, the constellations that uh, that uh, navigators used to be able to look at, now they just have satellites and they use GPS. But uh, but back in the day, you know, it was the stars that navigated and, and they would look to the stars and that's how they got from point A to point B. That's how they understood what season it was. That's how they understood all of that. All of that is still intact. And all the time, we're running around down here trying to get enough uh, likes and, and uh, followers and we're trying to get enough votes and we're trying to get and we're struggling and we're doing all of this stuff but all of eternity is right out there for us to see with our eyes. The things that God is doing in the world, his purposes, his designs, they still are intact. How hard did you have to work to get the sun to come up this morning? Did it really strain you? Did it really trouble you? What a a struggle it's gonna be when the sun finally goes down tonight and the moon comes out. Did you make sure you got the, the right timing to make sure the moon came out on time? Did you do that? Did you figure that out? You got the timer all figured out? All the mechanisms to make all that work. Doesn't that sound ridiculous for me to say that? No, those are things we assume. It's going to happen tomorrow morning. The sun's going to come up. And and no amount of chasing after life, no amount of strain, no amount of frustration is going to change that. And the purposes of God are the same way. He's got a plan. He's working it out. And he is not stressed. So don't you be either. Rest in him. Trust in him. Put your faith in him and let him level out your anxieties and your emotions. Why? Because God has it and he has you. And so you've got to have him. See, I can't change what's going on, but I can trust in the one that does. Mordecai knew this verse of scripture, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Mordecai knew that he belonged to the Jews and the Jews were the children of Abraham. And he knew this promise had come to Abraham. And he knew that this promise was going to come to pass. He trusted God, and he trusted the promises of God, and he knew that God's purpose would prevail in the midst. Even though uh, Haman had a plan, he knew that that plan was contrary to what God wanted to do. Secondly, uh, God accomplishes his purposes through people, especially those who know him and understand his ways understand his ways God works his works through people and you and I can be opposed to him or we can side with him can I tell you if we side with him he might use us in ways that we didn't plan but we can we can totally understand that from the heart of God that he's got our good in mind right that's what Romans eight twenty eight reminds us of but we've got to be those people that partner up with him why because that's where reward comes in when you give Jesus a blank check of your life and you say, Jesus, fill in the blank. For, for, uh, for our, our young people that don't really know what checkbooks are, we're going to have to come up with a new metaphor for that. I don't want to use the word open credit line because that that has a bad connotation too, right? You just let, you just let God. You, you, you be for God his, uh, his uh, Amazon Unlimited, right? You be be for God. God, you play me however you want to play me. Because when you do that, God will reward you. God will bless your life. God, you use me however you want to use me. Um, Notice here, even when uh, when things didn't go the way Joseph was comfortable with in his life, his brothers heard that dream and it made them mad. You're going to rule over us? What? No way. And so they threw him in a pit. And, and then he goes from the pit to the house of Potiphar and he goes from Potiphar's house to the prison. He goes from the prison to the house of Pharaoh. And, and so, uh, so he, he, God is at work in the midst all of that time. But Joseph was able to see because he got on the other side and he looked back and he said, ah, I realize now all that pain I went through, God was at work. God was at work, and he was working so that he could save lives, and so he didn't hold it against his brothers. He said, you intended to do something for evil, but God meant it for good so that many lives could be saved. Think about that. Think about that. Sometimes we get so uptight when people don't treat us right. What if they, what if they treated you like a servant? Well, isn't that what you are? Didn't you say to Jesus you wanted to be his servant? So why should it bother us sometimes when people don't treat us like we are the greatest? Jesus said a servant is not above his master. Right? And if they treat us like servants, then we ought to thank God for that name. And not be bent out of shape. Because you get bent out of shape, that's a good indicator your pride is still alive. And you needed to deal with that nasty stuff anyway, didn't you? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in due time. So we all ought to walk in humility, recognizing that whatever happens, we're, we're going to accomplish God's purposes because we're walking humbly before him. Well, I don't know why I shared that. That wasn't in my notes. Number three, when God isn't allowed to rule, he will overrule. He will overrule. Who's in charge? God. God, whose side are you on? He didn't come to take sides. He comes to take over. There's only one side, and that's his, because that's the one that wins. And so we would do well to get on his side right? We would do well to partner up with him and to get on his side. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, when, when God is not allowed to rule, it's all right because he owns the whole chess board. He owns the whole deal. Yeah, people can do what they want to do and do, you know, and, and God overrules. Look at uh, this passage in, in Hebrews 12. We're going to pick up speed from here. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God, it's really hard. He's saying, I'm growing you up, son. I'm growing you up, daughter. Why is it so hard? Because part of you is still alive. He's doing surgery on us. He's working with us. He's developing us. He's growing us. And he's saying, endure that hardship as discipline, right? Right? Um, God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Man, you and I, I could just, I could preach for a month on that passage. You know, the idea of discipline just means that that there's a way that you and I ought to live our lives. I hope that you have a discipline of taking a bath. Because your discipline of taking a bath is directly connected to whether or not you get a spouse. (laughs) Some young men, I just want to say, son, let me help you out here. I want to help you get a date. Wash your nasty self. (laughs) Because if I get within 10 feet of you, I know where you're at. So wash your nasty self, right? I mean, these are things, right? These are disciplines. Discipline is not a bad thing. Hygiene, not a bad thing. You know, the tr- I think somebody, somewhere along the line, that's where they got into, right, uh, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, that's right, because nobody wants to be next to uncleanliness, so, it's going to be in the same room somewhere. It's not biblical, but it, but it is wise, right? And, and so, so, you know, disciplines in our lives are, are ways that we can live sustainably. Disciplines uh, uh, in the way we look after our finances, disciplines in the way we don't give in to our emotions, whether I don't feel like going to work today. <laughs> Do you feel like not eating? because if you don't work, you don't eat. That's a discipline, right? And, and so disciplines, when we think about God is disciplining us. Why? Because he wants us to be successful. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to live righteously. And, and so, the, so when God disciplines, it's not because he hates us. In fact, it's the other way around. He loves us. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that that learned discipline early on in their lives and they thank God for it today. They'll talk about how hard it was. Man, we had nothing but beans and rice. And when we didn't have beans and rice, we had rice and beans. (laughs) And they talk about how they had to learn to save money because there wasn't any. And they talked about the hardships and the things that they had to go through. And you know what? They did pretty well for themselves. I remember a sister that was on staff with me years ago. And, and, uh, and many of you all know her, Terry Council. But she said, my dad would give me 25 cents a week. And I had to save 15 of it. 15 said, what? A quarter? And he made you save it? Let me tell you, that lady knows how to invest. She has done better for, she told me, she said, I've had brokers sit with me and say, what's your secret? She said, because I was was, uh, having better returns than many of the brokers that I worked with. What's that? She learned it when dad gave her 25 cents and she had to save 15. It's a discipline. She learned a discipline. And when you and I need to recognize that when we go through hardships, you know what? That is the time that you thank God. Because you're going to learn stuff through the hard times that you would never learn if you had an easy life. Zig Ziglar used to say, life is hard. But if you'll be harder on yourself, life will be easier on you. Think about it. When you go through hardships, you go through difficulties, it's preparation for the next thing. It's preparation for where God wants to take you. And so you go through a hard thing, you know what? You may not be praising God in the midst of it, but when you get on the other side of it, if you learn the discipline, you're going to look back and say, man, it was really good that we figured some stuff out. You know, we could have, Holly and I uh, learned, you know what, want to know how we bought our first house? A church secretary Told me about the envelope system before Dave Ramsey ever came along. And she was talking, it was quite by accident, but man, I was trying to learn how The old saying, what's the, the old Chinese proverb? When the student is re- ready, the teacher appears. Isn't that great? When the student is ready, the teacher appears. I didn't know. I didn't know that little Barbara Mayer would be, the, would be my financial instructor. I didn't sign up for a class, but I was trying to figure stuff out. And as I was standing there one day, she started saying, oh. And, you know, she started telling me how that she and her husband had had an envelope. And they put an envelope for, you know, for uh, this bill and an envelope for that bill and envelope. And when they got paid, they started putting money in it. And, man, I was like, that's how we learn to handle money. It's rudimentary, it's very simple, but I need it simple, right? And that's how we learned to set money aside and bought our first house, you know? It's, it, it's not rocket science, but it's a discipline, right? Somebody here needed that, I don't know. Number four, God is extremely patient concerning his promises, so must we be. God is so patient with us, Aren't you thankful that God is patient with you? And shouldn't we extend some of that patience to other people? Now, here's the secret about about learning to be patient. You can be patient when you're living on a promise. Because the promise comes from the character of God, and the character of God will never, ever change. So when you are living based on a promise and not a product... When you and I live based on a product, then we're always looking at the end result. Let me give you, a, let me give you an example. So I was talking to uh, the architect the other day, and we were talking about Legacy Springs. And he's saying, man, you've got to be tired of all these setbacks. He said, I don't know how you do what you do. You've got to be tired of all these setbacks with Legacy Springs. And I said, well, let me put it to you like this. I said, I, I, I pastor a church. And Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So I'm connected to one sure thing. Jesus is building his church. It's his church. It's not mine to worry about. It's not mine to stress about. It's his. My, the only thing he calls me to do is to be obedient with the next step. If I'm obedient to the next step, then He's going to take care of the rest of it. I'm obedient to the next step, and He's going to take care of the rest of it. Can I tell you? We've been working on this thing since 2014. We we kind of the the, the vision started coming from concept into okay, we're going to do this. We're going to walk this out. And you know what? I, I, I was sharing with him the other day. I said, I'm so glad that we didn't build it a year ago. Because if we built it a year ago, then we would have just opened our doors and then COVID would have hit. And the last thing that you wanted to have in the last six months was an assisted living and a memory care. They lost 45% real estate value right off the top. I watch all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm reading senior housing uh, stuff, stuff that they never teach you in Bible college that you will do someday. But God knew, and God knew that there is going to be regulation and technology that comes out after, the, after this last six months that we've gone through that has never been on the planet before, never been a requirement, and when we do build it, it's going to be state-of-the-art. It's going to be, we already thought about all that stuff. Why? Because that's what happens when you go through a storm. You build for the storm. You build for the storm. God is so patient with your life and mine. And when we when we focus on the promise, we can be patient too. I read that, I think, in Romans. When you focus on the promise, the problem is we focus on the product. I'll be happy when that's how it comes out. I'll be happy when. Well, what's wrong with being happy now? What's wrong with resting in the promise of God? Heaven's already at work on the inside of you. You already have eternal life. The Apostle Paul said it this way, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, if, you know, you persecutors, you could really help me out with this problem because I was hoping for a long life, but at the same time I know that as soon as I draw my last breath, I'm right into the presence of Jesus and you could really help me out with this, with this problem I have. Just knock me off and let me not have to think about it anymore. To live is Christ and to die is gain. And because the same God that took care of your death and your resurrection, because you're the same God that has all of that covered, has made many, many promises. And if you'll take a hold of one of those promises, you can be sure it's going to come to pass. Don't base your life on the product. Base your life on the promise. And then you can be patient. I can patiently wait. I can patiently wait. You know, uh, Let's just, let me me finish. Let me finish. 2 Peter 3, just a reminder to you today, and then we're going to stand. 2 Peter 3. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow, keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. God, wants not you hurry up? God's not slow but he is patient he's not slow but he is patient let me give you a word moms dads kids are about to start school let me give you a word you need to say the things you need to say to them many things that you're saying to them, they're not going to get until they're 26. You're reminded them to clean their room, it's not going to sink in. You're, I'm not saying you don't hold them to it, but I'm saying if you're looking for the kind of behavior that is grown-up behavior that is what you're thinking from, they can't receive it yet. So in the midst of, yes, you need to communicate something. Enjoy your kids. Don't say, I'll be happy when you finally listen to me. Enjoy them now. And maybe someday they'll come back to visit you. (laughs) But if you make their life miserable because you're frustrated, because they're not getting it, And they need to straighten up and all that kind of stuff. Jesus said, I have more to give you, more than you can now bear. So take a message from Jesus. Just because you got it in the tank doesn't mean that they can receive it yet. And if you don't enjoy them, because kids won't remember what you say, they'll remember what you keep saying. And kids won't remember, uh, kids will always remember how you made them feel. And if in your instruction you become demeaning, if in your instruction you you start to lose your cool, then you're focused more on the product than on that child's promise. So please, please remember to be patient in the midst of it. The whole goal is relationship after all. Because I've met a lot of grown-ups that were still messy. I've met a lot of grown-ups that are still picky eaters. I've met a lot of grown-ups that didn't change their oil in the car on time. Right? But relationship is the deal. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises, understand slowness. He is patient with you Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Man, could we be like our Heavenly Father in our patience? Can we rest in the promise that we have a relationship with our kids? We have a relationship with our spouse that is there to be enjoyed. It's there to be nurtured. It's there to be celebrated. That's why they're there. Not so that they can be all impressive and all perfect, but to be enjoyed. Let's stand. Holy Spirit, we need you because we can't live this life without you. Lord, I pray that there have been some moments in today's message where you gave people a glimpse of what could be. And I pray that we would be able to hang on to those moments. That we would get a a snapshot on the inside of our spirit, Lord, of how you see things so that we could hang on to it. That we could recognize, Lord, your purposes will prevail and you're just looking for people who will partner with you and your purposes and patiently watch them come to pass. Help us, Lord, that as we attempt to serve you, that we don't try to do it in our own strength because doing so will only frustrate us and everybody else we talk to, especially our family. But help us, Lord, to be patient and hold fast to the promise because we know that it came from your heart. And Lord, that as we love our spouses and as we love our kids and we love the world around us, God, that is through that love that never fails that you accomplish your purposes in the earth. It's even your kindness that leads us to repentance. Not because you're an austere God, not because you're stern, not because you're heavy-handed, but because of your kindness. Come on, can we just lift our hands and thank God for His kindness today? Lord, we receive Your kindness today. I pray that the Holy Spirit would manifest the fruit of the Spirit of kindness in our hearts. That the life of Jesus might be seen in us. I pray right now, Lord, over every mom and dad. Lord, that... On Tuesday is going to enter into a, a new season and Lord they, they they were anticipating this season in a different way they were anticipating kids going back to school the way kids always went back to school and moms and dads could get back to the, the, the business of, of, uh, of bringing home the, the bread bringing home the bacon doing what they needed to do to bring in income while the parents uh, while the teachers looked after the kids for a certain time Lord it, 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 it's out of whack we're puzzled But in the midst of it, we know we have a patient God. We have an all-wise God. We have a God that can show us the way. Lord, we look to you today. We trust in you. We welcome you to do what you want to do in us. As we intercede between what is and what will be. Let your purposes prevail in and through us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.